You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island. This is The Crimes That Shaped Our City. I'm your host, Kate Etassi. I was born and raised in Warwick and spent six years of my legal career as a criminal defense attorney in Rhode Island. I'm now medically retired from the law, but continue to be a true crime fanatic, which is why I wanted to bring Warwick Radio Online listeners a podcast series that focused on crimes allegedly committed by Warwick citizens or within our city limits. While I do hope to entertain you with the retelling of these crimes, it's not my intention to minimize or dismiss the negative consequences these crimes have had upon their victims and the family members of those victims. With all that said, I hope you enjoy learning more about the crimes that shaped our city. Welcome to another episode of The Crimes That Shaped Our City. Last episode was about the murder trial of Adam Emery. In this episode, we'll discuss the disappearance of both Adam and Elena Emery following the jury's guilty verdict on November 10, 1993. Before doing so, though, I need to issue a trigger warning for today's episode, which will involve discussions of suicide. For any listener uncomfortable with or triggered by discussions of suicide, Please feel free to end the episode now and tune back in next time to Warwick Radio Online. For those continuing on, the following are the facts regarding the Emery's alleged suicide pact following Adam's guilty verdict. As mentioned in the last episode, on Wednesday, November 10, 1993, which happened to be Adam Emery's 31st birthday, the jury returned a guilty verdict against him for second-degree murder. Come his sentencing hearing on February 4, 1994, he would be facing a potential sentence of 20 years to life. A hearing on the defense's motion for a new trial was scheduled for the following week, but Adam would never appear for that court date or for any other going forward. You see, the Superior Court judge allowed Emery to remain out on bail until the next week's hearing. While some of you may wonder why a convicted murderer would be allowed to stay out on bail after being convicted but before being sentenced, it should be noted the judge is allowed to make that decision, if they believe the defendant will continue to stay out of trouble and come back to court for their sentencing and potential incarceration. It should also be noted that in the almost three years that Adam Emery was out on bail before his trial, he'd maintained all required contact with his probation officer, had abided by the curfew set by the court, and had stayed fully employed and out of further trouble with the law. He'd also requested and received permission to travel out of state several times prior to the trial in order to go on vacations with his family, and had always shown up for his next court dates. Of course, there can be more of a flight risk when the person's already been found guilty and is waiting to be sentenced to a potentially long prison term, but it's not unheard of for a compliant defendant to be allowed to stay out on bail up until the day they're sentenced and incarcerated. I've personally had clients allowed to stay out, even allowed to live out of state until they have to report for the start of their prison term. According to witnesses in the courtroom the day Adam Emery was found guilty, Elena allegedly said out loud that there'd be hell to pay. A lip reader enlisted by the Rhode Island State Police, who later reviewed news footage of the Emerys that day in the courtroom, relayed that Elena allegedly told her husband, we will do what we originally said, you promised me. We should have done this before. 
The footage then shows Adam noticing the camera on them and says camera to Elena, at which point he turns his back to the camera and blocks its view of his wife. A state marshal is said to have overheard the couple that afternoon, with Adam allegedly telling Elena, we've got to talk to the lawyer, and Elena replying, shut up, plan B is already in effect. According to the marshal, the Emerys then went into an empty courtroom to confer with Adam's defense attorney. Afterward, Elena burst from the courtroom, shouting, we're not going to be here next Monday or Wednesday anyway. A guard at the ACI later told the prosecution that while Emery was being held pending bail, he'd vowed that he'd never return to prison. And according to the prosecutor, there was evidence that Elena had been talking about suicide for nearly a year prior to the trial. He described Adam Emery as, quote, a complete narcissist who was in complete shock after he was convicted of second-degree murder, end quote. After leaving the courthouse on the afternoon of November 10th, the Emerys went to Kelly's Sporting Goods store in Cranston and purchased two sweatsuits and 80 pounds worth of wrist, ankle, and waist weights. They got something to eat at Burger King, bought a bottle of wine, and by 6.53 p.m., their Thunderbird was found by law enforcement, parked on the Pell Bridge in Newport with its engine still warm. Inside the car were the court clothes the Emerys had worn earlier that day, Elena's shoes, their wallets, cut-up credit cards and torn checks, and the receipt from Kelly's. Missing from the vehicle were the sweatsuits and the weights. While one witness reported seeing only one person in the car that night, others reported seeing two, and later saw two people walking on the bridge. Still, the police didn't simply assume the Emery's had jumped the 219 feet to the water below. In fact, the assistant AG who'd prosecuted Adam told a Beacon reporter that he found the fact that the Emery's had eaten at Burger King before disappearing to be inconsistent with people about to take their lives. In his opinion, you don't eat a meal before killing yourself. Within two days of the Emery's disappearance, the AG's office filed a bail violation notice with Kent County Superior Court and provided law enforcement with an active arrest warrant for Adam Emery. Over several days, law enforcement used a cadaver dog, divers, as well as sonar equipment to search for the couple near the bridge and in the water. Elena Emery's family also spent $15,000 to hire a private crew to conduct an underwater search for an additional five days. John Fish, director of American Underwater Search and Survey, told the Providence Journal that seven oceanographers aboard a 30-foot boat were, quote, using modified side sonar radar to search a 500,000-square-foot swath under the high point of the bridge. The device detects anomalies on the ocean floor, which are shown on a video screen. He said his equipment can detect an object as small as a milk carton. His company was hired by Boeing Aircraft in 1992 to retrieve an 8-inch long engine part that had plunged into the ocean off Taiwan." End quote. Law enforcement also looked into the couple's finances and searched their home in Warwick, where they found $650 in cash as well as both of their passports. It should be noted that one of Adam's bail conditions had been to surrender his passport, so it's unclear why his passport was found in the home. According to the Rhode Island State Police, the Emerys didn't make any large purchases or withdrawals from their account prior to their disappearance. However, there was evidence that the couple had taken $55,000 and split it up into eight bank accounts in the names of family members and friends. The state police speculated that the couple could have done that to try and protect their assets in case the Bass family sued. 
It was discovered that after the couple disappeared, there had been cash withdrawals on the various accounts, but it's unclear who was withdrawing the money or where it went from there, other than the payment to an underwater diving company in Florida, who'd been paid by the Duracos for his search of the couple in Narragansett Bay. On Monday, November 15th, family members of both Adam and Elena received letters from the couple. The six letters had been mailed before they disappeared and were sent to Elena's parents, Adam's parents, and to Elena's brother and three sisters. In them, the couple never mentioned suicide. They just asked for the family's forgiveness and, according to one family member, said hopefully they'd be going to a better place. On December 10th, the AG's office moved to seize the three properties the Emery relatives had put up to secure Adam's bail. The Projo reported that filing the motion was, in part, to try and motivate the Emerys to turn themselves in before their family's homes were seized by the state. The AG's office also charged Elena Emery in January of 1994 with aiding and abetting a bail jumper. The following month, the U.S. Attorney's Office filed federal charges against both Adam and Elena Emery for unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, which then gave the FBI the power to search for and arrest the couple. On April 29, 1994, the trial judge denied the defense's motion for a new trial, finding that Adam Emery hadn't acted in self-defense when he chased Bass's car for two miles, cut him off, confronted him, and eventually stabbed him through the heart with a knife. While the court could have held a sentencing hearing and sentenced Adam Emery in absentia, it doesn't appear as if that ever happened. Instead, in late August of 1994, almost four years to the day in which Adam Emery stabbed Jason Bass to death, a fisherman dredged up a human skull from under the Pell Bridge. After comparing it to the dental records of the Emerys, the skull was determined to be that of Elena Emery. While additional human bones were recovered that summer, None of them were found to be Adams. After Elena's skull was recovered, her parents purchased a gravesite for both Elena and Adam, with their date of death listed as November 10, 1993, the day of the jury's verdict. But that didn't mean the state or federal government was convinced yet that Adam Emery had perished along with his wife that day. In fact, it took the state more than 10 years before it would concede that probability. In 2004, the Emerys filed a motion for the Superior Court to declare Adam Emery deceased in an effort to have their properties released from the state's lien against them. The family was allegedly having financial problems, and the liens were preventing them from selling their homes or from getting any credit or loans from banks. A Superior Court judge declared Adam Emery deceased on September 14, 2004, and by the end of the year, the state had issued a death certificate on his behalf. Early in 2005, the court ordered the liens removed from the family's properties. The search continues for Adam, however, at least on the federal level. While in 2010, Rhode Island State Police Detective Kevin Hopkins told the Providence Journal that he now believed Adam Emery was dead, an FBI spokesman for the Boston field office told the Providence Journal, quote, As far as the FBI is concerned, he's not dead. We'll keep looking for him until such time as we find out he's actually dead. End quote. And on January 2nd, 2017, the FBI tweeted that the search for Adam continues. The mysterious disappearance of Adam Emery has been featured on numerous TV shows and even podcasts, including on Unsolved Mysteries, Hard Copy, America's Most Wanted, and A Current Affair. While I certainly find it possible that Adam let his wife jump to her death while he set off to live his life under a new identity, it doesn't seem likely to me. 
That being said, Adam was found to have studied Italian from textbooks while at the ACI for eight months as he awaited being granted bail. Italian language tapes and an Italian dictionary were also found at the Emery's apartment after they disappeared. And because Elena and her family had emigrated from Fornelli, a small town in southern Italy, some 30 years before, and because the Duracos still had relatives there at the time the Emery's disappeared, Interpol and Italian authorities were alerted to look out for both Adam and Elena after they disappeared that night. Unfortunately, authorities have found no trace of Adam there or anywhere else. Sadly, the mystery of Adam Emery's disappearance may remain unsolved forever, leaving both his family and the Basses without the closure they rightly deserve. That's it for our coverage of the State of Rhode Island versus Adam Emery. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Crimes That Shaped Our City. Until next time, stay safe, my friends. Thank you for listening to The Crimes That Shaped Our City. Please note that any legal analysis discussed in these episodes should never be considered legal advice. If you're in need of legal advice or consultation, make sure to contact an active licensed member of your state's bar. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode or any suggestions of a Warwick crime to cover in a future episode, feel free to contact me through my website, katherineetassi.com. The website can also be found in the episode's show notes. You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island.